This is episode 617 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article is How Not to Die If You're Lost in the Woods and Are You Prepared for an Unexpected Survival Situation? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper Website email group, which allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. You don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. This email group resides on the same servers as Prepper Website. Now for more information, you can visit www.PrepperWebsite.net or click the link in the show notes. Hey guys, I just want to say or add to that, I'm very excited because there's new people joining the email group every single week. In fact, the last couple of days, I just added two new people. So I'm really excited about that. If you are uh, worried about social media and all the junk out there, and but you want to be able to connect with other preppers and just share information, ask questions, and get some really great answers, then join the email group. It's only $10 a year. And uh, that comes out to 0.03 cents a day. So definitely worth it. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and move forward with our podcast episode. I wanted to talk about a couple of things before we actually jump into our articles. Um, You know, 2000 or 2020, I guess uh, 2020 has started off with a bang already. And we've had some really crazy things. And I just wanted to briefly just touch on the, the Soleimani thing, the General Soleimani from Iran and the general of the, the Qud forces, I guess that's how you, the QUD or whatever. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of mixed reactions. I've seen a lot of people that were uh, concerned. There were some articles if the, the draft would be reinstated. And I know that was a question that I received. Um, actually, I received that question from a couple of different young people. And so there's people out there that are concerned about it, worried about it. You know, one of the things that you need to know about the, the younger generation is that on social medias and their Instagrams and Snapchats and things like that, they're talking about global events and things like this. And so this this whole thing that's going on with Iran was definitely in the news. I get asked questions all the time and I'm like, well, how do you know that? What do you, where are you going for that information? And it's because they're seeing memes and they're seeing information shared on those types of social medias. And so, uh, you know, the young people are concerned. There's a lot of concern out there. You know, I've seen two people in the preparedness community that I respect that uh, were kind of going after each other because of different views that they had about the whole Iranian thing. And, um, you know, I'm kind of torn. The guy was a really bad guy. There's no doubt about it. He uh, did really bad things and, and he hurt our people. I mean, that there's no doubt about it that the terrorism that you know they 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 moved forward and they supported um you know hurt our service members but at the same time we are concerned about what iran might do and for them um is it because i've heard both sides of the story they're not going to do anything and then hey this is a pride thing for them and they are going to strike back the other thing to consider is the the regime that is in power in iran they've been you know the iranians have been protesting and so they're holding on to power, but the Iranian people do not like the regime. Now, of course, right now you're seeing a lot of uh, when when you're seeing 
at least right now, as I'm recording this uh, today, I've seen a lot on Twitter about the processional, the funeral procession of General Soleimani. And there was a lot of people that showed up, but there's a lot of people that are not. I mean, Iran's a big country. There's a lot of people that are not happy with the regime. And so they're concerned about that. But one way to get people to stop protesting and to get their minds off of their economy and, and uh, you know, how uh, strict the rules are for them is to have issues with another country. And so uh, you can kind of see where Iran would continue doing things to ramp it up with the United States or with any other uh, power out there. And then you never know how Russia and all, you know, Turkey and, and Syria and, and, and all those other countries, how they're going to come into play when we start talking about picking sides and things like that. So it's definitely something to pay attention to. It's one of those things. We always talk about paying attention and, and being aware of what is going on. And I guess one of the big things that I wanted to say here is if you are someone that is maybe you're listening to this podcast and you are, you're on the fence about preparedness, or maybe you have been uh, sitting on the fence about moving forward with preparedness, and this has caused any kind of concern for you, maybe it is that spark that gets you to start focusing on preparedness a little bit more and not necessarily preparing for war or nuclear war or cyber terrorism. And, and, you know, all those things are possible to happen. But I'm just talking about just ramping up your plans. Like, what would you do? And, and maybe you've been stalled out for a little bit. And so that's, you know, it might be that spark that you need to think about. You know what? The world is kind of crazy. There's a lot of things up in the air. Our world is fragile. So maybe I need to get back on the bandwagon of prepping and uh, look at my preps and, and my plans and, and come up with uh, what I need to do. Maybe you haven't visited your plans in a while and maybe you need to you know revisit your plans. You know, we talked about that a couple of podcast episodes back and, and maybe you might want to go and, and check those out. So that's what I'm going to say about that. But hopefully you are paying attention. I think it's a, a crazy time out there and 2020 is going to be very interesting. And so as it's already shown. So I wanted to jump into something that was interesting for me for 2020. During my holiday break, I was able to write a couple of different articles that I've been wanting to do and just kind of been sitting on because of time and, and not having the, the ability to sit down and, and devote the, the amount of time that I wanted to, to write these articles. And so I was able to, to put together a couple of articles out there. And one of them was an article based on my interview with uh, Adriano Ferreri, right, of, of the EMP 333 Days. And we I interviewed him a couple of uh, episodes back. When I say a couple of episodes, I mean, maybe about two months back. And he was the director of EMP 333 Days. And it was a complete indie film. He was not a prepper. He just thought the EMP background story was interesting. And he produced this this movie by himself with his own money with the people that were in his uh, community and you know they did this and so it was a dream of his to do this movie so i saw the movie come across one day and watched it and i thought it was pretty interesting you know it wasn't your typical hollywood gore zombies sex nudity all that kind of stuff it was you know just a movie about an emp about a young person and how they dealt with it and you know the skills that her dad had taught her to get through the movie and so you know i thought it was one of those movies for the preparedness community that we could 
you know, watch and it would spark conversations kind of like going back to maybe like what doomsday preppers, if you use that, you know, for, for conversations or even American blackout, that was one of those uh, national geographic docudramas that I know, I know that I had my family sit down and we, you know, it, it sparked conversations for us. And so, you know, I interviewed uh, Adriano or Adriano and, you know, we had that interview and that all went well. So during the break, I wanted to sit down and write a, a quick little review for it and put it out there. So there's people that you know go to Prepper website that do not listen to podcasts. And so I wanted to share with them this information as well. And so I got to tell you, I had something happen that has never happened before in the history of Prepper website. So I released this article on the 30th, on December 30th. And then on the 31st, all of a sudden, Google, for whatever reason, started serving it up to people. And I had the biggest day of Prepper website that I ever had. And I I couldn't believe it. It was the 31st. It was New Year's Eve. And I'm looking at the analytics. And I really even wasn't paying attention. But I went over there to check something. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on here? I mean, this this article is getting so many hits. And I'm like, wow, I was really excited. I had the best day that I ever had ever in Prepper website since 2011 when I started it. Well, then I figured, okay, that's good. That's going to you know die down. Google serves it up for a day or two and, and then you're done. Well, then on the 1st, so January 1st, 2020, I had this, the, the biggest day, the, the next biggest day. And actually, it, it became the biggest day ever for Prepper website. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it just continued on and on and on. And actually, I'm still getting residual hits from that article, just not as big as I did on the 31st and on the 1st. But oh my gosh, it was really crazy. And so as a result of that, a lot of people were going to Amazon. They were watching the movie. They were reviewing the movie. And because of that, he was getting a lot of good reviews, which is great because I think, you know, the preparedness community can come and rally around someone who is trying and making an effort to help at least, you know, provide resources for us. And again, I think that if you wanted to talk about preparedness and you had your kids uh, to sit down and watch this, this is one of those movies that you wouldn't be concerned with all the other you know things that you that Hollywood movies have in them. And so you could at the end talk about it or pause it or whatever you wanted to do. And so the algorithms, though, in Amazon, once people start seeing something and start reviewing it, well, it starts showing it to everybody. And so, of course, there was a lot of people that were searching Amazon and it's free on Amazon Prime. There was a lot of people that were looking for movies, I guess, during the holiday season. And they were seeing that movie and they were watching it and they were commenting and uh, giving it really bad reviews. And I felt so bad. Now, he's received a lot of reviews, a lot of attention because of the interview, the podcast interview and because of the article. But still, there's just a lot of people. And, you know, some people are just so mean when it comes to it. And some people are very unfair when it comes to reviews. I mean, there was people that were giving it like a one star review and they, you know, they saw like 10 minutes worth. I'm like, come on, really? I mean, really think about what you're, what you're watching. Other people, uh, there was one guy who gave it a one star review because he did not agree with the whole premise of an EMP. And I'm like, you're not even reviewing the movie. You're, you're reviewing the premise in the scientific, you know, uh, possibility of an EMP. And that's why you're giving a one star review. And, and that's just, you know, it really was disappointing that people would do that. 
Uh, I know people do that to to me, you know, like on uh, when they when they review pr- the the podcast on iTunes and stuff like that. They'll take one thing that I said that they didn't agree with or one thing that they didn't like and they'll give me a one-star review and then rip me for that one thing. They don't take into account all the other things that went into it. They didn't take into account all the other movies or all the other podcasts and all the other you know, things that, that I've been doing in the time, the effort and all that kind of stuff. And so they take that one little thing and then they rip it. And I don't know. I, I was taught when you do things like this that you can give a decent and a favorable number of stars but you can criticize the things that you had a problem with when, you know, in the actual text of the review. So, for instance, if you had a problem with this EMP movie, you would give it a four or a five star review and say, hey, this movie was kind of slow. It didn't have this. It didn't have that. But when you do like a one star review, it really does affect the algorithms or at least it, it's very hard to recover and uh, I just I know that from my church, uh, somebody gave us a very negative review uh, back even before I became pastor, and it was a one star review years and years and years ago. And uh, I can't I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something that really didn't have anything to do with it. It was like you know something about the seats or something. And because of that, it doesn't matter how many five star reviews; it's very hard to recover from that one star review. But anyway, I appreciate those of you that did go over there and review it. I mean, you can go give it a five-star or a four-star review and not necessarily write any text or anything like that. And if you thought it wasn't worth a five-star or four-star, give it a three or two or whatever. I mean, give it whatever you think you should. I just think that in the preparedness community, because there is so much that, um, that we could benefit from with movies like this, I was wanting to support it and give it a five-star review. So if you haven't checked out EMP 333 Days, go for it. I know the last time I checked, he was up to like 124 reviews, which I'm sure he was very excited about because when we first started talking and started talking about interviewing, there was only like 20 to 30 reviews. And uh, I, I know that that helps to get you up in the Amazon rankings and gets people, you know, gets more eyes on it basically is, is what I'm trying to say. And so kind of leading into that, I wanted to go into one more thing. I wrote an article called The State of Preparedness 2020. And so I took a little bit of time to jot down some of my observations from my years of being in the preparedness community. Started prepping in 2009, started Prepper website in 2011, started uh, the podcast in February 2017, and just some things that I have seen that I wanted to share out there. And again, it kind of leads me to go, you know, going back to that EMP 333 days is when we have something in the preparedness community that is good, it's always beneficial for us to support. Whether it is a movie like this, whether it is a podcast, whether it is a, a YouTube channel of somebody who's really doing great work, uh, whether it's articles, websites that are out there doing it, um, it's really to our benefit when we support those people and let them know that we are thankful and grateful for what they're doing because it continues uh, to, they continue to put out content. And that is such a benefit to us. Um, I've seen in this last week, one of the things that I had written about is I removed five other websites from the links on Prepper website. So if you go down to Prepper website, the very bottom, I have all those links of different preparedness websites and YouTube channels and podcast and forums and and alternative news and all those different kinds of things at the very bottom, kind of like what the Drudge Report does. 
I very frequently do a, a broken link checker to make sure that those links are still in effect. And you know, there, there was five that I had to remove that went down. And I know that there are others that are considering it as well because it's just, there's real no benefit from it. And so that's a sad place to be, but I wrote that article. I'm going to link to it in the show notes if you're interested in going and checking it out. Um, so you, you can kind of get an idea of where I'm coming from and why it's so important to, uh, just to let those people know that those that are out there providing content, writing articles, doing videos, um, doing podcasts, you know, not just mine, but the podcasts that are out there, just letting them know that you appreciate what they're doing and supporting them in any way that you can. All right. So enough of that. I know I went long. Uh, I'm sure someone's not going to like that. Todd, you talk too much, you know, you just get into the articles and, but I think this, all this stuff is important and there's a lot of things here to consider. So let's, uh, with that, let's go ahead and jump into our articles of the podcast. Um, our first article comes to us from survivalpedia.com. And the article is entitled, How Not to Die If You're Lost in the Woods. Now, the thing is, is you might not find yourself hiking on a regular basis. You might not find yourself in the woods on a regular basis. But emergency preparedness or just preparedness in general is about making good decisions. And even more so, making good decisions when you are in a, a, a very you know, particular situation and it, you know, the, the situation, uh, could go, you know, sideways. So being prepared means that you can make these good decisions. This article talks about making good decisions when you're in the wilderness, but I also want to stress that you can find yourself in a emergency situation anytime when you don't even really recognize that. And the second article that I'm going to read really talks about that as well. So let's go ahead and jump into this one. It's not a very long one. Again, coming to us from survivalpedia.com, how not to die if you're lost in the woods. Imagine this, you're enjoying your camping, hunting, or even skiing trip, and then you get lost. While it rarely happens, getting lost in the woods is deadly. Many of the stories we hear are of people that were found which means that tracing your way back is challenging. The worst part is that most cell phones don't pick up signals during such moments. So, how do you survive such turmoil? First thing is, stay put. The funny thing is that sometimes people think they are lost while they aren't. The confusion results from panicking. Whether you are stranded in a barren desert, dense jungle, or a snowy mountain, stay where you are. There is a chance that you are only a few minutes from your original path. However, when you start walking around, you get lost further in the thicket. Rather than walking several miles more in-depth into the wilderness, try getting assistance from where you are standing. Number two is use the stop method. Now that you are staying put, the next step is to remember the stop mnemonic for survival. It stands for S, stop. Find a place to sit and take a long, deep breath. Calm down and avoid panic because it is your biggest enemy. The T stands for think. Figure out what you know about the location and situation. As you were traveling, were there twists and turns? Did you pass by a place where there were other people? Even the smallest bit of information is helpful. The O stands for observe. Do you have a compass or a map? Is there any way of figuring out your location? Can you see any landmarks or footprints? At this point, your best bet is to find any clue that can lead you to your first pathway. And the P stands for plan. Consider all your options and select one. You may continue on the path or turn back to your initial trail. 
If you are confused and can't figure out which path you should follow, here are additional tips for you. Number three, take an inventory of your resources. Know what you have and how you can use it. Don't take anything you packed for granted because you might need it. For instance, what snacks or foods do you have and how long can they last you? Check your first aid kit and know if you carried any medication and bandages. In case you are sick or injured, the package will help you get through the distress. Number four, make a shelter. The weather conditions of the place where you get lost will determine whether you will build a shelter or not. If they are harsh, such as rainy, scorching, or snowy, you ought to make a temporary place to protect yourself from these elements. That is why it is advisable to have a pocket knife handy in your belt. Use it to cut some shrubs that you can use to support the tent. In case you didn't bring a tent, look for any materials in your surroundings that you can use. If animals are a concern, climb on, climb on a tree. Try getting halfway up peaks because cold air resides below valleys and winds are strongest there. All right, there's a lot of things there in that make a shelter. Probably a lot of people wouldn't uh, agree with a lot of that. If you're just hiking, uh, if you're just hunting, you might not have a tent. So knowing how to build a debris shelter, knowing how to build a shelter to at least break the wind, because the wind, if you're in a, you know, a wintry situation, can uh, really be the death of you. And uh, you know, knowing how to do those types of things, if you find yourself in uh, situations like that, if you go hunting, if you go hiking, if you are going, you know, you do those types of things, I guess, you know, you need to have a little bit more information than just get some brush. Okay, number five is be on the lookout for signs of people. After pitching your shelter or as you travel through the woods, be observant. Scan the area periodically for any signs of human activity. Check for cut tree stamps, food wrappers, water bottles, old campsites, or any other litter. In case you find any proof, look around and trace the direction they followed. You might be close to a trail that will lead you out or a hunting camp that will provide emergency shelter. Number six, stay hydrated. Even the strongest, healthiest, or fittest person cannot last more than three days without taking water. Therefore, ensuring that you have enough water should be a priority. If you packed enough for the trip, you would be safe. In case you are stranded for prolonged periods, you may have to look for a source of drinking water in the woods. However, don't drink snow or ice. Number seven is build a fire. You don't have to go through girl or boy scout training to know how to start a fire. All you ought to do is to research online and practice. Remember that fire is both a friend and an enemy. Therefore, be keen on starting a decent fire that won't spread through the forest. If you have pieces of paper, use it for kindling the flames alongside some dry twigs. Use matches to start the fire or anything else that causes massive friction. Then add some green matter to produce a dense white smoke that will draw attention. All right, I'm going to come back to a couple of the things there. Number eight is stick to open spaces if possible. Trailing through a free country increases your chances of lo locating civilization. Such terrains usually result from logging or farming, which puts you closer to other people. Also, being in the open makes it easier for you to be spotted by low-flying aircraft. Ensure that you have something to signal for help, such as a brightly colored, such as brightly colored clothes or shiny mirror. In case an open plane spots you and the pilot is unable to land, they can radio your position. So stay put, and if you must move, leave some branches to trail your movement. Number nine, stay warm. Hypothermia is one of your biggest enemies when you are lost in the wild. 
Summer months are no exception because even then, the temperatures drop considerably when the sun goes down. Stay alert for any numbness or tingling in your limbs. When packing for an outdoor trip, bring heavy clothing. Building a fire, as explained earlier, will also help in keeping you warm. Now, Getting lost in the wilderness is not a fun experience, but you can avoid it. Be prepared with everything before heading out for a hike, hunting, camping, or any other outdoor activity. Regardless of how long you are planning to stay out, pack all the essential items because anything could go wrong. At the minimum, bring a pocket knife, handheld GPS, blanket, map, compass, first aid kit, and enough water and food. All right, so let me go ahead and, and I just wanted to touch on a couple of things in the article. I know I stopped at one point. I like the stop method, and that's one that you know we've always heard about in the preparedness community, and that's one that really you, you really need that to get yourself situated so you don't panic. If you've ever been lost or even maybe this is something you can identify with, you've lost someone, uh, maybe like a kid in the mall or something like that, you know that feeling of all of a sudden it comes over you. Even if you can't, you know, that, this happened so many times for me where you you turn around and they're not there and all of a sudden your stomach starts sinking and, and you st- because you know all the stories and you, you know, you've seen all those things and you've heard about all those things. And so you just, you turn around and then they're there, but you still have that sinking feeling and that panic mode, that fight or flight starts going in and you start, your heart rate starts beating and that can happen in a survival situation as well if you are not able to stop and to think and observe and to plan and you're able to you know get your wits about you so that you can again because being prepared means making good decisions you're able to not make a decision from panicking you're able to make a decision because you're able to think through it so i really like that and then you know, they talked a little bit about an inventory, uh, inventorying your resources here. Now, I want to say one of the things that I try to do when if I'm going out into the country and I'm going to be there or even when I'm taking a trip, if I'm taking a trip I'm here in Houston and I'm going to San Antonio or I'm going to Austin or I'm going, you know, on a trip somewhere, I want to have things with me already. So I, I don't want to have to take inventory of all the things I have. Now, if you Find yourself in a situation where just that wasn't possible. Fine. Yeah. Look at the resources that you have. Do an inventory of all the things that you have. That would be important. But I'm always going to want to have something with me, some kind of kit with me, if at all possible. And so in that situation, you are going to have you are going to know the resources that you have. Again, the shelter thing, I think that's important. Staying hydrated is going to be very important. You know, if you have a kit, it's really nothing to have one of the uh, you know, water filter in there that you can use. And it's just uh, really smart to have water filters. If you need to do, you know, the, the water filtration tabs, you can do that. You just need to have something else along with you. And, uh, you know, I always talk about the Hydro Blue water filters and using those. And uh, you can do the mini Sawyers as well. In a pack like that, I would probably consider a life straw. Um, you know, sometimes getting water through the mini Sawyers or the Hydro Blue, you need to do a little bit of priming. You need to do a little bit of pumping and, uh, you know, pushing water through. But in a life straw, I'll, from my experience, they can just suck up water pretty quickly. Knowing how to build a fire is very important. And if you've never done it before, I think you should try that. 
you know, in this article, they talked about using one match or being able to do it with one match. I wanted to read some of the comments here, or there was one comment where someone went into a lot more detail and he talked about a lighter and I completely agree with that comment. Uh, if you're going to carry anything with you, I would rather you carry a lighter than having matches because a lighter you have so many more opportunities to you know flick your bick or whatever right and you can you can start a fire that way i remember back when i was a boy scout uh, one of the things the challenges that we always had was starting a fire with just one match now back then we had to strike everywhere uh, matches the the real ones right that you could really truly strike anywhere and i wish they still made those but uh you know th those were great and you would use one of those and light the fire. And if you could do that, man, that was great. And part of that is uh, a lot of it is not, uh, it, it, a lot of it is setting the, the wood up and having the, the, the tinder and the kindling and, and having the, the pieces of wood ready to go so, and make sure that they're dry and all of that kind of stuff. And so if you were to practice that, you would get so much more familiar with being able to build fires. And if you really needed it, you would be able to do that. So I do encourage you to learn how to build a fire if you've never done that. Save the ferro rods and the you know the the, the sticks and the, all that kind of stuff. You know the friction fires. Save that for a skill that you want to learn. For you to really truly be prepared and when you're out there and you need to build a fire, you don't have time to play around with a ferro rod or any other kind of you know magnesium fire starters or anything like that. You want to be able to start a fire very quickly. And so you want to have a lighter. Actually, you want to have probably multiple lighters in a kit and uh, have the good ones. Don't get the cheap dollar store ones because those break and you want to have a really, really good one. And somehow you want to protect the top so that the, you know, the, the part where the butane comes out, it doesn't get depressed in your kit and, you know, you wind up losing all your butane. Stick to open spaces. I think that's important if you can build a fire in an open space to get people's attention. Um, and when I get to the second article here in a minute, and that's one of the things that people, they were able to find them because they were in an open area and they were on a road, but they were in an, on an open area. Staying warm, I guess, is very important. And, uh, you know, they, they talk about that. And of course, we know that your body temperature, keeping your body temperature at your, your core temperature is very important. So when I you go down to the comments, somebody, so a guy named Jefferson left a bunch of, uh, it looks like he kind of copied and pasted some things and some great ideas here. I just wanted to throw these in as I finish out this article. He says this, I'm not finished reading this article, but a couple of points to keep that keep screaming out. Number one, first try your phone. Send an email or a text. It may not process, but if a weak signal does become available, your phone will then auto send it. Now, that might be very true. I don't know if you your phone is set up to do that. And so it'll continue to try to send out. And then he says, put, put it into energy saving mode. So put your phone into energy saving mode after you try to send out an, e or an email or a text. Probably a text would, would work uh, you know, the best. But I got to tell you, there were times up in the country where the, our, our cell phones would not work. But there was this one spot if you if you stood there in that one spot and you stood still, you could get a phone call out and you could get a text message out. And it was really crazy. And then also there was times during the day that I would not get my email, but I would get my email at night. So at, at night when I would you know be asleep or whatever, for whatever reason, 
uh, you know, I would wake up in the morning and I would have my emails and stuff like that. You know, they would download to my phone. So, you know, you, you, even though you don't have signal, there might be opportunities to get a signal, but keeping it in energy saving mode is one of those great ideas. And then also having a battery charger. I think that's, that's like a non-negotiable, at least for me. Um, you may have a built-in map or a compass and uh, maybe even a pre-planned survival file like this one to consult. And so, yeah, your phones can be used to have PDFs and information, survival information. You can't just like you store photos and, and things like that. And you download files from the Internet. You can store some of this great preparedness information on your phone. Um, our phones are just so powerful. Um, number two, he says a survival whistle. And I've always talked about this. I think that every kit should have a whistle and they make those that you can get on Amazon. I think they're like six, $7. They're really strong whistle, like the tornado whistle or hurricane whistle or whatever they, you know, they're really super loud. They're really big. They're not like your referee uh, or your PE teacher whistle. They're really big, but they make a lot of noise. And so here in the comments, he says, Three short blasts, then three longer blasts equals SOS. If you're near people, the chances that someone will recognize SOS. Using a whistle saves a sore dry throat, travels further, and is easier to recognize. And I agree with that. So having a whistle will, you know, if you're screaming help or, you know, I need, I need anybody out there, whatever, that's going to be, that's going to wear on your throat and wear out your energy and all that. But a whistle then that can be heard, uh, you know, long distances and you can save yourself there. So um, he goes on, do you need to leave where you are? If anyone will miss your return and you have some e-rations and water purification tablets, then consider staying put, use your whistle. Again, um, that goes to say, like, if you have told people where you are and people are going to be missing you after a certain amount of time, then it might be better to stay where you are and let people come to you. Number four, he talks about learn to make a fire. We've already talked about that. And uh, he says that's a nice skill with matches. That's a nice skill to have, but leave that for the movies or the books. Pack a couple of lighters. I completely agree with that. And even if you have means to carry with you some tinder that will light very easy, that is great too. If you can um, somehow store the cotton balls with Vaseline. I mean, you can make your own and that way you have something extra, maybe little candles. If you have a kit, a wilderness survival kit, or, you know, a kit that you're carrying around with you, you can have a fire kit inside of another kit. And, and that way you can put a couple of things in there that could really help you to get a fire going if you really needed to. The comment goes on, you should have a survival foil blanket. So one of those Mylar blankets. I mean, that's one of those things to keep your body temperature, uh, you know, where, where it needs to be. And uh, so you can have that and it's reflective. You can get people's attention and there's a lot of different uses for it. And he says, explore the immediate area. So if you were to go 100 to 200 meters in every direction, you can use your whistle while you're doing it, but you could leave a stone marker or a note. And that way you have at least have a four meter wide area that you have traveled and that you have looked in each direction to you know help you identify where you are, to get your bearings. And so I think that might be a, uh, a helpful thing. I know he was talking here about you know, leaving some kind of arrow. And, and I know that in the article, they talked about leaving some branches or, you know, uh, 
that you were you were going in some direction. And I I think I remember seeing that in Dual Survival years and years ago, where they they cut off big tree branches and they pointed they made arrows. And I think maybe they even did that on the seashore at one time too with uh, with rocks. If I'm not mistaken, maybe I am. It's been a long time, but you can do the same thing. And he was talking about here making you know using big. Uh, big stones, if you can, or big rocks using big limbs, you can make arrows. The thing is, is if somebody that was walking, if they're not really paying attention to an arrow, they might not notice an arrow just with um, with sticks being there. You know, with rocks, that might be a little bit more noticeable for someone if they were doing that. All right, and a couple of other little things there that you could do. So, uh, the, you know, in one of those articles that that gets us thinking in gives us the knowledge that we need to have if we ever find ourselves in those situations. And I know the tendency is to say, well, I don't do a lot of hiking. I don't do a lot of, I'm not going to be in the wilderness. I don't do a lot of hunting. But there's a lot of things that, a lot of times where you can find yourself in a situation where maybe not all of these things apply, but at least you're able to, you know, hey, I know that I need to calm down. I need to make a rational decision. I need to make a, a good decision, not because I'm panicking. And you kind of go from there. But, you know, these are some basic things that everyone should know. And the whistle, going back to the whistle thing, I think, ladies, you should be carrying that with you all the time. And I think everybody should have that in a kit. And I think that's one of those things, you know, if someone wanted to do harm to you, they don't want attention being drawn to them. And so if you are in a situation where you can't carry a gun or you can't carry mace or you can't carry any other way to defend yourself, having a whistle that you're able to blow or make a loud noise to get people's attention, I think that's really smart. And when you think about 6 $7 for a really loud one, I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so that's over at survivalpedia.com. I'm going to link to it in the article so you can go to it. Again, go check it out and uh, you can click on the links and maybe even leave a comment. So the next article that is uh, entitled, Are You Prepared for an Unexpected Survival Situation? is actually one of mine, one that I wrote for Prepper website. And I, uh, you know, I wrote this during the break and I did it off of a news article that I had read. Now, this one's really short. It's not a very long article at all, but there was a couple of things that I, I always like looking at these types of articles where people were in some kind of a survival situation and what kinds of things did they do to get them through. And so this was a news article of a family who made a trip from Texas to Colorado and while they were going up to Colorado, they were just delivering some furniture. And if you think about it, they're like, hey, we're just going to run up there. We're going to deliver some furniture in a moving in a moving van, and then we're going to come right back. You know, this was on December twenty third, right before Christmas Eve. And so for them, this was like a no brainer. We're going to go run up there. We're going to drop this 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 furniture off to family, and we'll be back for the holidays. And they had a rude awakening because they went into a survival situation. So let me read this for you really quickly, and I'll uh, make some uh, mentions of some of the things that I have here. It says, are you, again, are you prepared for an unexpected survival situation? Every day has the potential to become a real-life survival situation. This is something that every prepper needs to remember, even when they are doing something mundane, like dropping off furniture. This article is based on a true survival story. On December 23, 2019, a Texas couple and their 12-year-old daughter delivering furniture in a rental truck became stranded in the San Juan National Forest in Colorado. 
After not being able to free the truck, they spent the evening in the truck, leaving the vehicle on and wrapping up in moving blankets to keep warm. In the morning, they wrapped plastic around their feet and chose to walk out to safety. Thanks to the concern of a family member, local authorities were contacted. The couple was spotted by a member of the sheriff's department flying in his own personal plane. So there is a link to the news report if you want to read it. And that's not a very long news report. Uh, I really summarized it there for you. So a survival story doesn't start out being a survival story. Like I mentioned before, every situation has the potential to become a survival story. This couple was making a quick run to deliver some furniture before the Christmas holiday. They were not thinking that they were putting themselves in a life or death situation, but where did things go wrong? The story mentions that they were using their GPS to take the fastest route. The issue with this is that a GPS doesn't account for weather and especially snow that has fallen, especially in rural areas. Also, a GPS won't account for what kind of vehicle you're driving. The story doesn't mention that the couple or their daughter had a cell phone. It is possible that being in a rural location, cell towers weren't available, or it could have been that they ran out of battery. So how can you ensure that your story doesn't turn into a survival story? Number one is always let people know where you are going. It looks like this Texas couple did follow this rule. Authorities were contacted by family members when they didn't arrive at their location with their furniture delivery. You should also include what route you might take and when you expect to arrive at your location. You know, I know um, I don't, I talk a lot about Google and I talk a lot about social media and things like that. But when you use Google Maps, you're able, and if you're able to just use it from home or whatever, you can plot your route out and it will tell you how long it should take. And so you get a rough idea of, hey, this might take two hours. It might take three hours. I'm going to take this route. And if you were doing something like this, I know it just takes a few extra moments, but it could be one of those life and death situations is letting people know. It's like, hey, we're heading out. We're going to take this highway or we're going to take this route and we should arrive at this time. And so you're able to communicate with the people that you are going to meet up with or you know where you're going or even... If you're going on a holiday trip or whatever, you're able to leave an itinerary with people. All right, so the next thing is this. Carry your phone and a battery charger. Yes, phones can be very intrusive, especially if you keep location on. However, being able to call for help during an emergency is one reason to have a cell phone. Along with the cell phone, you will want to have a battery charger to ensure that you never lose charge. I have the Anchor Portable Battery Bank, and it will charge my phone many times before needing to be recharged. So I do have a link to that battery charger that I have, and I carry that one with me everywhere. It's in my backpack. And so uh, it's one of those things that's really thin and light. And well, it's not as light as you might think it's light, a little heavier than uh, a cell phone, but it will charge my phone like eight times because it's a, a really uh, has a lot of milliamps, like 26,000 milliamps. The next thing is always check the weather. Weather reports are inaccurate at times, but that shouldn't keep us from looking at the local weather reports and adjusting our trips accordingly. With weather apps, NOAA weather radios, and weather reports readily available on the internet, there is this is a no-brainer. All right, so definitely, if you're taking a trip, you should be looking at the weather and you know considering what that might mean. Um, yeah, the weather weather reports are not always correct. And that is really true, at least for us down here uh, in, in the, the Gulf Coast area. But 
it's one of those things that could really help. I mean, if this couple realize, hey, we're going up to Colorado, I mean, the weather, there's a big weather change from Texas, even when you're talking about, and I think they were in El Paso, when you talk about moving from Texas all the way up to Colorado, there is a big weather change. And if you're not used to it, you're not paying attention to it, you can be caught in you know some bad weather and you you won't have the the clothing for it you won't have what you need the resources for it and if you're in a vehicle that you're not familiar with this big old moving truck you know it's not one that's you know situated to be able to go through snow and can easily get stuck so using weather you know weather reports should be one of those things again it takes a few moments of your time before you leave but how valuable could that information be The next thing is this, carry a kit with you. This should be obvious for most preppers, a kit tailored to the situation or event that a prepper might find themselves in should be commonplace. In this example, a vehicle kit with extra blankets, extra clothes, maybe a small heater, food and water would have worked. A first aid kit should also always be part of a prepper's kit. All right. So, um, that kit, Again, like I said, I always want to have some kind of kit, some kind of, you know, resources with me wherever I am, especially if I'm making that trip. Uh, I think I've mentioned this before. I have a little first aid kit that I carry with me and it's it's bigger than your, you know, the ones that you buy at the store or whatever. This is one that I made my own. Uh, and it's, it's not as big as the one like you get from, you know, doom and boom.net, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. They have a really big, it's a really nice, uh, first aid kit. I mean, this sucker is, is really big. It's on a, a, inside of a bug out bag and the whole deal. And it's definitely not that big. Uh, it's more of a smaller, uh, backpack type thing, but it has a lot of, inf- or a lot of first aid supplies in there. And I can just open up my closet and take that with me when I'm doing a trip that is more than, you know, an hour or two away from home. I can, I can keep that, uh, that more substantial first aid kit with me. So, um, there is a link here. If you've never visited the prepper website, podcast.com webpage, I put together a, a kit link bomb. So I looked through Prepper website, the archives, and I put together a bunch of uh, links specific to like get home bags, 72 hour kits, EDC, all those types of things. And I put it together in one web page so it'd be easy for you to find. And so I've linked to that there. So one more paragraph here to close it out. It says preparedness is a lifestyle. At the most basic level, preparedness is just common sense. It means taking responsibility, hoping for the best, preparing for unfortunate events. Taking a few moments to make sure you are prepared when you leave your home is a smart thing to do. Again, I've said I said this at the beginning, you know, being prepared means making great decisions and taking a few moments of your time when you are headed out and, you know, taking this trip could have saved this family from a potential situation. Luckily, they were able to get out. And, uh, you know, luckily they were, they were found and there were some things that were done right, but there could have been some things that they wouldn't have even experienced that they wouldn't have spent their Christmas Eve going through this whole situation, cold and scared and afraid and hungry and all those different kinds of things. And so hopefully they'll learn from the situation and they won't make the mistake, uh, next time. And hopefully we can learn from their mistakes as well so that we don't make the same situation when we're out there and you know we still have a lot of winter i know i'm in houston and and i'll tell you our temperatures are going uh, today it was like 46 when i left the house and in the the heat of the day 
I think it got up to like 69. And I'm like, are, you know, th- that temperature swing where you need a little jacket and then you're, you know, you're taking, you're, you're shedding everything because it's hot again. You know, it's really easy for us to do. But I know that you guys up north and even not so much further north than, than, than we are, but you are dealing with some serious winter and there's still a lot of winter to go. And, you know, making these right decisions, making these good decisions is the thing to do, especially even if you're taking a small little trip. So uh, hopefully there's something here that you can benefit from. Again, I'm also going to link to this article in the show notes so you can go over there and click on it. And even if you if you don't have a battery charger or even a NOAA uh, weather radio, I do have links for you there so that you can click on those and uh, you know go see if that's something that you want to do uh, or add, that's something that you want to add to your preparedness kit. Well, everyone, that's it for episode 617. Thanks so much for hanging out with me on this podcast episode. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to the prepperwebsitepodcast.com and find all the different podcast networks that we're available or that we're in. If you just downloaded this episode and you already have a podcast catcher, go ahead and subscribe to us because that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. We want you to be prepared. We want you to be able to make those great decisions. Hey, and don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness content, come on over to PrepperWebsite.com. We link to anywhere between 8 to 12 articles every single day, the best preparedness content out there, all in one place for you to find. And then on the top right-hand corner, if you are looking for specific like alternative news, you're looking for conspiracy theories, you're looking for articles on frugal living or DIY, even if you're looking for uh, you know videos from Bible prophecy teachers and firearms and homesteading, then we have a link on the top right-hand corner, a little drop-down menu, and you can go to specific pages where we have all those articles and videos all in one place. And that is those things are updated on a regular basis daily. And so you can always find great information over at Prepper website. And I'd love for you to come and check it out and let that be the place where you go get the information that you need. And I'd also love for you to connect with me. Now, I have all the social media accounts and stuff, and I am really, really weaning myself off of social media. But uh, if you feel the need to to come over to the Facebook page or the Facebook group, you can do that. But just, just know, guys, I'm not spending a lot of time there. But the way that I would really suggest for you to connect with me is to connect with me on email or through email, through our email list. And you can do that right from the show notes, or you can come over to uh, any of our websites, the prepperwebsitepodcast.com or prepperwebsite.com or prepperwebsite.net. And uh, you can, you know, you can join our email list that way. And when you do, when you join our email list, I'm going to give you a free PDF of 25 hand-picked preparedness articles that you should read. Some of these articles you can't even find on the internet. Now, I was able to get them because I have the direct links, and I was able to go to the Wayback Machine and bring these articles up. So these some of these articles you can't even find on the internet, but I put these together for you all in one PDF, and so you can go and uh, you, you get this download. And I also send a bunch of other information and good stuff for you uh, in the first email that you get when you join the welcome email. And then I also provide, you know, an email usually on Tuesday mornings. And then on Saturday, I send out the Saturday prep, just a link of articles and podcasts and videos that are interesting for you. So uh, I would love for you to connect with me through the email list. Well, guys, I'm going to end it there. So with that, 
Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.